Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, September 11th. Anyone out there who thinks the tennis world stops after the Grand Slams are done, you're crazy. The Mini Break never sleeps. There's always tennis to talk about, and that is exactly what we will be doing today. If you can't tell, this is me, Alex Gruskin, Jamie McDonald, Matt Stokoyak, our usual Wednesday host, taking a bit of a breather. You know, they did, you know, we went, I think, three weeks straight through the U.S. Open except Labor Day, so going to give them a night off. For me, you know, I'm going to talk 30 minutes an hour, likely two plus hours of tennis throughout the day. Anyways, I figured why not turn on the mics, give you guys a little 20-minute episode to enjoy as you commute to and from work or whatever it is you are doing as you listen to this podcast. As I mentioned, all eyes have been turned to the U.S. Open. We covered it throughout the week, did a big uh, mini break of, you know, a live show, actually, video on YouTube. If you, it's, you can hear the surprise in my voice, I'm still getting used to that video component. If you want to hear that, maybe even see that, it was myself, Max Rothman, Jamie McDonald. We talked about the men's final some of the takeaways from that very much focused on the match and Medvedev and Nadal and just marveling in the performance they gave us the day before. We also talked Andrescu's final, both of those podcasts available for you if you still you know are missing anything from the U.S. Open. If you want to hear a big winners and losers, our biggest takeaways from the U.S. Open, yesterday's mini break, I was thrilled to be joined by U.S. Open Now host. You see him on all of your tennis Twitter, social tennis social media, really in general content, Nick McCarvel. To do just that, we had some fun. Fun ones throughout the time, you know, talked about the celebrities, talked about the gear, but then of course we also talked about the players who really stake their claim to the two weeks in New York and those takeaways. But today we're going back to our roots and actually the place I want to start. We haven't done a Tennis Twitter Tuesday in a while. It is obviously not a Tuesday today, so a little bit, uh, we're not going to quite, you know, cheat and call it that, but one of the funniest tweets I saw, the Tennis Hipster Handbook, and right now is the best time to be a tennis hipster, right? It's after the U.S. Open, you th- you know, the, the casual Fairweather fans who just tune into the Grand Slams, they're done with this season, but for us real tennis fans who, you know, some of the criteria, this was tweeted out, I believe, by, and I want to give him credit at er, er, Eric Johnson at ERK Tennis. You know, the Tennis Hipster Handbook would rather watch 250s and Challengers than Laver Cup. Favorite player not in the top 100. Bonus point if they've never been in the top 100. Favorite commentator is Mike Cation. You know, make sure everyone knows goat debates don't interest them. I, that one's a little shammy in my opinion. Claims Isner and versus Raonic is a fascinating matchup. You're not a Tennis Hipster if you think that. You're just freaking crazy. Um, but, you know, reminds people that there is a season post world tour finals and clay season continues beyond the main tour clay season that's freaking funny takes pride in being blocked in big tennis by big tennis journalists that screams at paul t tennis complains about match fixing yet bets on matches daily 
We don't actually bet, but we talk about betting, so certainly follow that. But just some funny criteria. It really is tennis hipsters paradise at this point of the year. And what we're going to be doing today, we've talked so much ATP Tour. We've talked so much WTA Tour, at least the highest levels, Grand Slam, focusing on those top 25, top 15, top 5 players. I'm going back to my roots today. Since it's just me, since I have no one else to entertain, I want to talk a little challenger tennis. And the place I want to start, you know, last week, justifiably, all eyes turned to the U.S. Open. But in New Haven, we had ourselves a wonderful uh, ATP challenger. A lot of players who had lost early in the U.S. Open. You look at it like number one seed, Andreas Seppi. You know, Peter Polanski obviously playing qualifiers, the 16 seed, Kokao, the 10 seed, Bradley Klon, Laxanen. Uh, you know, Chris Eubanks, Torpegard, Tommy Paul, all of these guys we've seen at the slams or in slam qualities, they're, you know, they're not able to make the second weeks of the slam. But as I mentioned, the tennis world never sleeps. And a lot of them make that short trip from New York to New Haven, Connecticut on the campus of Yale as college tennis fans. Uh, so cool to see a college tennis campus host an event like this. Westoff, can we get a little celebration sound effect for that? <laughs> But there, you know, we are now, as I mentioned, that we have some free time. No, Hugh, we have Labor Cup coming up, and we're going to focus a lot on that next week. Uh, but really, going to want want to talk about these challenger guys, these guys who we think at you know the end of the year, this is when they make their push. They want to uh, these men and women outside the top 100 want to position themselves near that top 100, or at least put themselves in a position to get directly into the Australian Open. And so they have a bunch of chances to do that with a bunch of hardcore challenger events throughout the back half of the year in America, and you know clay events throughout the world in Hong Kong, in you know Africa, in Europe, in Australia. Really, their tennis tournaments throughout the world. That's why it's such a great global sport. Um, But that's what they're going to continue to do because they need to rack up points every week, week in, week out. They don't get the big $5 million check or $3 million, whatever it was, that get you get from winning the U.S. Open. They've got to do that weekly grind. And three of the guys who have really stuck out uh, in New Haven and three guys we will be watching down the home stretch are the three I'm going to talk about today from New Haven in particular. They are all semifinalists. The guy I think we have to start with is the winner from New Haven, Tommy Paul, who for the first time in his career cracks the top 100 in the live rankings this week. He's number 91, and by the way, there's a challenger going on this week in Cary that I want to talk about at the end, but I'm going to focus on New Haven here. But for Tommy Paul, you know, the 22-year-old cracks 91 in the live rankings in the race for the year-end standings. He's number 94. What that shows me, he's been a top 100 player all year long, and you look at his record during the season, he's 22-7 and on the year. His biggest problem hasn't been, you know, in the matches. It's been being healthy enough to play matches. He's struggled with so many injuries since we saw him make that breakout run. I think it was two years ago at the City Open in Atlanta. Uh, really had some success. I think he went round of 16 quarterfinals, maybe even a semifinal there at the 250 level. We saw him at the la- end of last year make a push at the challenger level, getting himself in a position to get a wild card into the uh, Australian Open. Then earlier this year, he wins the French Open wild card challenge on the clay, wins the challenger in Sarasota the next week. He makes the final of the challenger in Tallahassee, uh, quarterfinals the next week in Savannah. So a great three-week run from him. Loses in four sets first round at the French Open, but unfortunately he drew Dominic team, so he was playing so well at that point. 
you know, did, did decent on the grass, made third-round qualities at Wimbledon, qualified in the Netherlands for a 250 event. Um, but then, you know, summer hardcourt, he, he gets a wild card into D.C., beats Dennis Kudla, while, or qualifies into uh, in Montreal, beats Popperin and Barankis and qualifies, beats Braden Schnur first round before losing 6-3 and three to Fognini. He's continued to show the results when healthy, and for him to come here, you know, after failing to qualify at the U.S. Open, there was a lot of talk, should Tommy Paul have gotten a wild card? That storyline feels so old at this point, but it was relevant. Uh, you know, he didn't get a wild card given how good he'd been when healthy. I mentioned 22-7, and seven, so you take out the five wins. He was, what, 17-7, and seven, uh, really had, you know, hovering around that top 100, felt like he should have gotten a wild card. So for him to lose in, uh, in the second round of qualifies at the U.S. Open, a big disappointment, and to see him respond in this way doesn't drop a set all week long. Quarterfinals beats Bradley Klon, who had won two three-set matches, but still beats Klon 4-4, four four. beats Noah Rubin 0-6, oh beats Marco Skirone convincingly 6-3, 6-3 in the final. I think I tweeted this last week, and I'm sorry for plugging a tweet of mine, but we saw at the end of last year, Riley Opelka wins, I think, in, uh, what was it, either Tallahassee, Nashville, one of those indoor, or Knoxville, not Nashville, one of those indoor challengers, and then he wins in Champaign. So two challengers in a row to not only jump into the top 100, but to earn himself, solidify a spot into that Australian Open main draw. Now Tommy Paul, as I mentioned, up to 91 in the live rankings, 94 in the race for the year end. He is positioning himself perfectly to where if his body is cranky, you know, there's anything aching at all, he can now rest up. He can use a long offseason because rankings-wise, it looks like he is going to position himself solidly to get into that Australian Open. And this is a level we've all seen from him. You know his success. We all know, you know, athletically what he's capable of on the court. So solid off of both wings, solid power, solid pop, just all of these different things he can do on a court. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy and even though he could take time off now because he's positioned himself, he's not going to. He's still going to play a bunch of challengers. He didn't pull out of carry this week where he's the number two seed. And that speaks to the fact that he knows, you know, Riley, Francis, Taylor, his contemporaries, they're all in the top 50 now. They've made their push. The only thing keeping him from being up there with them, I think level-wise, he's right there. It's a matter, simply a matter of can he stay on the court and be healthy. And to see him get a result like this to start his summer, very, very positive start for Tommy Paul. And I look forward to seeing him in carry because we saw him have two challengers in a row earlier in the year, successful made, he, you know, as I mentioned in the clay, he won one, then made the final the next week. If he continues the level he showed in New Haven, there's no reason he can't win again in carry this week. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. The next player I want to talk about, Marcos Giron, who earlier this year won his first challenger title in Orlando. He was, I believe, a semifinalist in Cleveland at the challenger where we got the chance to talk to him um, when he lost in three sets to Max Cressy. But obviously, his big result of the year, everyone remembers, round of 32 at Indian Wells, comes through qualifying, beating Fabiano and Kesmanovic. Beats Shardy 6-6, six and six, beats Dimenauer in three sets before ultimately losing in three sets to Milos Raonic 
Since then, a good level of success. You know, quarterfinals I'm seeing here at Monterey, semifinals, Sarasota. Uh, you know, tried to play a bunch of 250s. Good for him. You know, tried to get into, you know, played a clay season, played a grass season for the first time in his career. Now that his ranking allowed him to do that. And he ultimately ended up qualifying at Wimbledon, losing first round to Lopez. But still, always a good point in a player's career where you see them successfully get through qualifying, qualify for that main draw. You look at him since the summer, lost qualifying, lost Cobb. Quarterfinals, Aptos Challenger qualifies but loses first round in three sets of the Winston Salem 250. A four set first round loss to Nishioka at the Open. You know, not the great, you know, you see bits and pieces here. He's obviously having the best season of his pro career going 30 and 17 to this point in the year. And then you look at where he's at in the live rankings. Marco Scarone sitting at a career-high 124. You look at him in the race uh, this year to the year-end finals, 109th. So again, another guy who has been a top 100 player. And the thing about Marco Scarone that really stands out about this season, he's finally healthy. It's the same thing as Tommy Paul. So many of these challengers guys have the talent. So many of them when healthy can put the, or, you know, it's a question of, are they healthy? Are they young? Are they, it's always something that's been holding them back. And for a lot of them, it is health. It's that they just have never been able to play on the court long enough. Tennis, such a grind, such a long season. Uh, and for Marco Scarone, this is the most successful stretch he's had. He's been able to play, you know, since January consecutively. He's had surgery on both of his hips, just so many different things that have ached him over the years. He makes the final here in convincing fashion as well. You know, you look at his result. Uh, he beats McNally 6-6, six and six, drops a set to Istamin, but then beats Schnur in straights, beats Zoomher in three sets before ultimately losing to Tommy Paul 3-3. Three and three. That's a great run for him. Uh, Istamin, Zoomher, both former or current top 100 players. Schnur, a top 100 player. John McNally, let me tell you, having faced him and lost 0-1, I can tell you how big of a challenge he is. No, I'm just kidding. Can't even compare the two, but still... Marco Skiron looks comfortable, and he's a guy who you know, you know, I believe he is in the draw at Cary. Uh, you know you're going to see him a bunch at the end of the year because given that yeah, he's the four seed this week in Cary, he's going to play Ben Patil of Israel tomorrow. Uh, he's a guy to circle, to watch, because you saw what he's capable of Indian Wells. It's hard court season. This is his best surface, and I think he's going to show it. He's been playing well enough on this. He's confident at the challenger level. He's had you know multiple quarterfinals and semifinals, obviously getting his first title earlier this year now another final on the hard courts this is a surface and a level he's comfortable at and there's no reason he can't continue his success so I look forward to seeing that one other guy I want to talk about from uh, New Haven a guy who has boy has this player been making the rounds in tennis media although it's not exactly for his game that's not to be disrespectful his biggest uh or not biggest, but one of the most, you know, actually, yes, one of the biggest successes in tennis media this year, his Beyond the Racket uh, company they on Instagram, on Twitter, his uh, his Cation cast, uh, what they do, Noah Rubin, of course, is who I'm talking about with Mike Cation. I mean, he's made such a name for himself for giving perspective, allowing fans to get an inside look from the player's perspective, the struggles they go through, all the different structural issues tennis faces that seem very improvable and can improve the lives of so many professional players, produce a better product for us fans as well, and it's such a commendable, laudable effort. Everything Noah's doing, obviously, we are huge fans of here at No uh, here at No Rubin, here at Cracked Rackets, and I, you know, I, I don't think I need to tell you all. I'm sure if you are listening to this podcast, you have also seen his Behind the Racket content 
content. It really is amazing, but you look for Noah on the court this year. It's really been a struggle. He sits at 14 and 14 on the year. His best result coming earliest in the season, the Numea Challenger, the first event of his season, where he made the final before losing to Mikhail Yimmer there. And, you know, since then, a lot of struggling. Quarterfinals in Cleveland, uh, I see that. I'm looking for, you know, quarterfinals in Tallahassee, finals in doubles there. Uh, you look though through the rest of the year since then semifinal this semifinal in New Haven his first you know quarterfinal since what did I say it was in Tallahassee so since April um, and that that's a struggle now Noah did qualify at Wimbledon ultimately losing in four sets to Jay Clark but he beat Michael Moe Roberto Quiroz Yannick Hanifman there are all guys who have played at a top 200 level so great result for him and you know his summer hardcourt season, he played Newport first, not hardcourt, but still counts as the summer hardcourt season. He lost second round qualies, lost round of 32 Binghamton Challenger, first round three set quali loss. And a lot of these are three set losses, by the way, but first round quali loss at the City Open to tie. Uh, you know, he loses second round qualies at the U.S. Open. So this result for him. As we mentioned, this is a guy who has been healthy. The results haven't been there, but you look in the live rankings, Noah Rubin right now, I believe, in the 170, yeah, 172 range. Uh, he is number 172, number 182 in the live rankings. He's got a fight, and there's going to be a ton of chances for him to earn points. He's had success in the fall uh, of you know indoor hardcore. It feels like that's something, given his size. Other players may have a larger benefit, but given how fit he is, I believe he won or made the, he's won the Charlottesville Challenger before. Yeah, for sure, he beat blonde Tommy Paul. I could forget that match. Uh, so we've seen him have success in this home stretch, and this is a guy we've all seen have success. We all you know, know what Noah is capable of on the court when he's healthy, when he's playing his best tennis and this semifinal result is some it's very you know it inspires some confidence the, the you know the, the media stuff is going well now I'm sure that helps you mentally uh it's now just can the tennis match that and I really believe it can and I look forward to watching this guy play as he continues you know throughout the rest of his 2019 season with that being said as I mentioned want to quickly look at some of the other things that are going on at the challenger level in Geneva, Italy, we had Lorenzo Sinego knocking out the young Spaniard Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, 6-2-4-6-7-6-8-6 in the third set breaker. Davidovich Fokina, he may get himself in a position to qualify for the next-gen finals. He has had that sort of level of success this year. He's at number 126, or at least that's what he was going into this tournament. You look at him in the live rankings now. Davidovich Fokina, number 121 in the live rankings, 12 off his career high of 109. Uh, the 20-year-old is skilled. Uh, there's so many clay, you know, I mentioned in the hipster portion, there are clay challengers left in the year, and that seems to be the surface he most succeeds on at this point in his career. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, so that was a fun result. But the other event I wanted to... Oh, I should have also mentioned Joe Wilfred Song. I believe the fastest and uh, challenger title victory in a final... Or the fastest final match ever in challenger history. 6-1-6-0 over Duty Sela. So yeah, Songa doesn't drop a set in his cruising to the Cassis France challenger title. He knocks out Mikhail Yimmer's 5-6, and six, his closest match of the tournament. And maybe that speaks to the level the number 5 seed and young player Yimmer has reached this year. But Joe Wilfred Songa, he's still got the goods. And 
I'm not going to lie. It's kind of fun to see these guys play at the challenger level. I like this idea as some as the old generation phases out, the young generation gets their chances at them, really. Uh, I feel like that's, that's a great way for a lot of those players to grow. And then the last event I want to talk about, this week's carry challenger. Uh, look, this draw is loaded. Not only do we get Mike C back, ha, 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 another tennis cliche, but... So many good guys. Andre Seppi playing again here. He'll play Brody tomorrow. Noah Rubin playing uh, gets a win over Evan Song. He'll play Chris Eubanks tomorrow. Philip Palewo, Bjorn Fertangelo, Michael Redlicky, Donald Young. I mean, Kruger, Aragoni, Blanche, Girone, Torpegard, Michael Moe, Kwiatkowski, Nakashima, the All-Virginia matchup, number two seed Tommy Paul. This tournament's got it all, so you know it, Cracked Rackets. We will be watching. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As you can tell, my voice is ready to wrap this one up. Um, But a couple of other fun storylines I want to get to real quick. Because, again, you think the tennis world sleeps? No, it doesn't. It continues to provide us content all year long, every day. And so that is why we do this mini break. But some fun storylines. Let's jump around a little bit. Fritz and Sock announced they're going to join Shapovalov, Kyrgios, Raonic, and Isner on Team World for the Labor Cup. As I mentioned, we'll talk Labor Cup all next week. But those teams, hmm, hmm. Maybe if McEnroe plays in and Borg plays in, that levels it out. Because you feel like McEnroe probably still got it a little bit more than this point at this point than Borg. But who knows? I'd be all in on seeing that. That's again, we'll talk about that sort of stuff next week. But interesting announcement there. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki, Vanya King, Bethany Maddox-Sands, Andrea Petkovic starting the crossover into business program at Harvard University this fall. So cool to see these WTA players. Uh, just to advance, just this opportunity is unbelievable. These players are some of the biggest brands in the world, and to get to, to learn the skills that come with a program like that and crossover into business, prepare themselves for life after tennis, you know, marketing on themselves and capitalizing on the, the success they've had. Just really cool to see them all get that sort of opportunity. So yeah, I think Sharapova did it earlier in her career. We saw Sugarpova. I mean, Marie Sharapova's a brand that was going to make a Sugarpova joke. I'm not going to. But point is, really cool to see this sort of program, see them incorporate tennis players like this. And then my last one, a really fun one, shout out to Mikhail Torpegard. He, you know, he has a great day, gets goes to his cha- uh, carry challenger shuttle, and he loses his bag along the way. So <clears throat> over the next two hours, they spend time looking for it. They can't find the bag anywhere. Thankfully, Torpegard's friend, J.J. Wolf, loans him a couple of rackets that he uses to split sets. He's cramping during the match, but then things get even better. A lift driver sees a tennis bag on the side of the road and goes, what is this tennis bag? You know, this looks like the real deal. It's Mikhail Torpegard's bag. You know, a professional tennis player has a professional tennis bag, and obviously Torpegard's rocking the goods. You know, that Red Wilson bag, I imagine, was looking fine. Um, and, you know, this this Lyft driver sees the bag. He sees a tag. He says, oh, it's Mikhail Torpegard. Let me throw a little Google his way. And he sees Mikhail Torpegard is live in a match in, a, you know, at the Carry Challenger, 45 minutes from where this Lyft driver is. Well, the Lyft driver says, damn, 
I don't want this kid to play without his brackets. And he drives 45 minutes to Mikhail Torpegard just as he is starting the third set. Uh, that may be a little off, I apologize, but gets him the bag before the match finishes. Torpegard is able to fight off the cramps, use his own racket, and secure a 6-4-6-7-6-2 win over Martin Redlicky. There's nothing about that story I don't enjoy. Shout out to that Lyft driver. Shout out to Torp. Shout out to Cary, North Carolina for not screwing with the bag. Uh, it's awesome that he was able, you know, we see so many times players have issues with their gear when they leave it out, and it's so cool to see the other side of that. But just a cool day in general, and if you are missing out on, you know, you miss the thrill of the adrenaline rush that is the U.S. Open, you need to catch up on anything from the tennis world, be sure to check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. You know the deal by now, like this podcast, the Great Shot podcast, our Cracked Interviews podcast where we've had guests from Steve Johnson, Mitchell Kruger, Katie Valinets, Vicky Duvall, uh, you know, <coughs> so many, I'm coughing because there's so many names that want to come out, you know, all the tennis players we've done from co- the college tennis world, the college coaches, just all those interviews still hold out, so go give those a check out. Now that the U.S. Open's done, you need your tennis fix, and I promise we at Cracked Rackets have the content for you uh, beyond that, you know, uh, I also mentioned if you need more immediate gratification, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. If you want to see our live video podcast, which we will be doing now, go check out the YouTube account. I know Westoff is all about those YouTube subscribers right now, so don't give him a hard time. We give him a hard enough time with all of the content we send his way. Please just go subscribe to that. Make his day. Uh, by the way, shout out to those super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff who, as always, have a f- of an editing job to do. You heard some coughs throughout the way. Again, I'm still fighting that post-U.S. Open, but I'm pretty sure they're going to cut out a bunch of the coughs and sneeze fits I had earlier on. So, thankfully, you won't have to hear those. But shout-out to them for cutting those out. Um, ooh, one last thing. Really, really, really fun podcast planned for tomorrow. We uh, GSP-wise, that will be released, I think, on, or it's planned for, I guess, later today, but it will be released on Thursday uh, I'm not going to reveal the guest right now, but we're hoping to have this guest become a recurring guest. Uh, this she, I almost, yeah, I'm not going to have that cut. That might have been a leak. I'll say it. She is hoping to become a recurring. Uh, we're hoping she becomes a recurring guest on our mini break GSP Cracked Interviews platform. So we are really looking forward to announcing that tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. But for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.